0: This is the Intrepid 007 Podcast. Welcome to the first edition of the Intrepid 007 Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Um, I'd like to start off first with thanking everyone who's made this uh, podcast possible. First of all, my wife, who is now going to hear about uh, James Bond a little bit less because I'm going to be ranting less to her and more to you guys. And I'd also like to take the time to thank uh, Joe Darlington from Being James Bond, um, and specifically the Being James Bond podcast, a podcast that I've been listening to for uh, years now, uh, very informative. And uh, if you don't, haven't already checked them out, uh, you should go and do that. Uh, also, all my followers on Instagram, 007 underscore Intrepid. And everyone who's been following me and reading my blog posts on WordPress, so intrepid com. This episode is going to be focused on where I'm coming from and where I'm at as a James Bond fan and where my experiences come from. Um, I became a Bond fan at a rather young age, I started with the books and moved on uh, later to the to the movies. I was born in the 80s, so I kind of missed the whole Timothy Dalton era and got right into the Pierce Brosnan era, which was kind of a reboot, a softer reboot, not the same kind of reboot as we got later on with Daniel Craig, but a softer reboot of the characters because um, Timothy Dalton was a little bit more of a harder bond, a more physical bond, a more direct bond. Um, and Pierce Brosnan's maybe a little bit closer to a mix between Connery and Roger Moore in terms of the campiness and in terms of the action and in terms of the stories um, that, were, that were told. But uh, like I said, I saw a golden eye in theaters In '95, of course, when it came out, Um, and then from there, with my friends, I had seen everything else, Tomorrow Never Dies, Worlds Is Not Enough, and the unfortunate disappointment that was Die Another Day, which would have been enough to maybe dissuade me from the next step, which was, of course, Daniel Craig in 2006, Um, and I wasn't a big believer in Daniel Craig, to be perfectly honest. Um, I didn't think Daniel Craig would be able to do it because he had played such villainous roles in the past, and the fact that he didn't look like the previous Bonds kind of threw me off and I didn't really think that he would be a good Bond at all. Um, But I really got back into it then. I mean, the whole gap between Die Another Day and Casino Royale, it kind of, the fandom kind of died off. I was always a fan of, of the genre and I was always a fan of James Bond, but it kind of died off with Die Another Day. It was a bit of a disappointment for me that Dissuaded me, but with Casino Royale, it got me back into the books. Got me back into the roots of, of of why I was a Bond fan. Because going back after I started watching uh, Golden Eye and and uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, I got into reading the actual books. Um, So I started with Spy Love Me, which probably wasn't the best choice in books, but then I got into Goldfinger and the more traditional um, Blofeld trilogy, and then I started collecting the books slowly, um, getting paperbacks and hardcovers, and uh, I started getting a couple copies of the John Gardner books as well. But what I really remember is is from my childhood is even before having seen GoldenEye and Pierce Brosnan in the role. I remember having seen both Roger Moore and uh, more specifically Sean Connery in the roles. Because every weekend we'd go and rent movies at the at the video store, and I remember specifically always getting Goldfinger. I was absolutely obsessed with the film Goldfinger. I was obsessed with the Acid Martin. Uh, I was obsessed with all the gadgets. It probably was the the movie that really marked my childhood was, was Goldfinger, and whenever Goldfinger wasn't available it was The Man with the Golden Gun so it kind of went back and forth between uh, something golden so always it was mostly Goldfinger but Man with the Golden Gun came up quite often as well. Um, but going back to Goldfinger, um, like I said, it was a marking movie for me. I had watched it a number of times on VHS um, I'm pretty sure that the copy that they had was absolutely worn out after I was done with it And I remember my mother telling me a story about Goldfinger, which, you know, when you're 11, 12 years old, you kind of don't really believe what your parents tell you and the stories that they tell you. But my mother would always tell me a story about how uh, Goldfinger was based on a real person. Now, if you've read into Fleming, you know that Goldfinger's name comes from Ian Fleming's neighbor, Erdiel Goldfinger, who... Um, there was kind of like a love-hate relationship and there was a whole story about how Goldfinger didn't appreciate being the bad guy uh, in the book and threatened to sue Fleming and Fleming in retaliation um, almost was able to successfully change the name of the character to Goldprick just to kind of get back at him but uh, that's not who my mother was talking about my mother was talking about John Englehart who was a uh, rich American industrialist who had a cabin and also owned uh, a camp, a fishing camp, in the on the Cascapedia River where my uh, mother's side of the family is from. Now Engelhard was a gold uh, producer, gold miner, and there were similar stories between uh, the novel, uh, the film version of Goldfinger, and uh, Charles Engelhard. Engelhard would actually uh, mine gold in South Africa. Uh, transform them into statuettes and then sell them in China where they were melted down to kind of circumvent the whole gold bullion uh, rules so in the book, similar kind of thing except for, um, you know Goldfinger was making them into airplane seats, which I mean, it seems that statuettes were kind of maybe a little bit easier, um, whereas the airline seats and there, airplane seats, kind of seemed like a more far-fetched plan. And going back to the movies, I mean, a whole car made of gold kind of was even more far-fetched to, uh, to produce. But anyway, uh, Engelhardt was actually pulling off this scheme. Englehard was also a major industrialist in uh, the United States where he was applying for patents and he uh, his company helped uh, create the catalytic converter and things like that that would be using later technologies But like I was saying before he owned a fishing camp on the Caskapania River where my mother's side of the family was from and My grandmother's cousin was actually a game warden who worked on the river. My great-grandfather as well was a game warden but more specifically my grandmother's cousin worked for Charles Engelhard and uh, maintained the camp while he wasn't there uh, my great grandfather, who lived nearby, his field and his home was used as the helipad for all of Englehart's visitors. So, believe it or not, Ian Fleming would fly in by helicopter, uh, land at my great grandfather's field, and then go up to the fishing camp to go salmon fishing with Charles Engelhard. Uh A lot of Engelhard's habits were also used for Goldfinger. The uh, some of them were, some of them weren't. His physical attributes, such as his uh, his, his girth, and uh, his red hair, uh, and some more of his physical attributes were used. Um, Englehard was also known for being in love with Coca-Cola, which was not necessarily made out in the books, and uh, there's no mention in any of my family stories or any of the stories surrounding Inglehart about having a Korean henchman who ate cats. That, I think, is more of a pure fabrication of Ian Fleming than anything else. But anyway, I didn't realize that this story was true until much later, Um, It was actually more recently where I started digging into my family history where I realized that Warren Gilker who was my uh, mother grandmother's cousin Actually uh, did know Englehart and Englehart was the basis of Goldfinger So that kind of solidified my passion for James Bond going forward so like I said with the introduction of uh, the new Bond, Daniel Craig in Casino Royale, it made me go out and buy the books. So I bought all the Penguin paperbacks and started reading those. And I started collecting other paperbacks, and um, I started collecting the works of Raymond Benson, uh, John Gardner, and after that, all the newer continuation models. Uh, and then after that, of course. Uh, Colonel Sun was one of the ones that I picked up after that, after the John Gardner uh, books and after I started collecting those and then the uh, anthology works of Raymond Benson came later Um, then into more modern continuation novels with um, Sebastian Fox's Devil May Care, um, the two Anthony Horowitz novels uh, the novel by Jeffrey Deaver which was Uh, unfortunately not very good. Um, I'll get more into that maybe in another podcast, but uh, all in all, the continuation novels, in my opinion, have all been fairly good, except for, uh, of course, the Jeffrey Deaver one. Um, I would also say that maybe the Gardner ones, there's a few hiccups in there that bother me quite a bit, and uh, Raymond Benson has a couple of things as well that kind of I find weaken bond in a, in a sense but I'll get into that possibly in another podcast I've started collecting bond um, probably around the beginning of uh, Casino Royale um, simple things my wife had purchased certain items for me um, you know a travel mug and they uh, another uh, couple of items um, I received uh, the perfume as well. Uh, my wife bought me the entire collection of films on DVD as well So in terms of family, I mean they've gotten me a lot of what I've got in my collection at the moment There are a few things that I've picked up here and there and if you've read my uh, blog on WordPress You'll see that I've also picked up a few things on Aliexpress uh, A couple of copies of some things like the specter ring um, Some personal shades that were uh, purchased most recently Um other items as well, such as a um, more of an item that we've seen um, pop up on the Bond lifestyle, which was the credit card that slides out to uh, to show the concealed lockpicks inside, which I haven't used, but um, very cool thing to have. Um, of course, there's my Folex and my Fomiga, uh, the Fomiga that I've had since uh, two thousand and I uh, bought on eBay. Uh, and the uh, what I mean by the Fomiga is, if you haven't seen my blog posts, on intrepid007.wordpress.com. It is, a, in actuality, a copy of an Omega Seamaster. It goes by the name of the Theta Spymaster um, and was available for some time. It was um, not something that I've really been able to get much of a history on. I don't know much about the watch. I know that the watch is more or less tough because it's, you know lasted about seven years of wear and tear and being dropped and etc and uh, it is worse for wear, but it has been toughing it along. Um, my full X is the watch that I've gotten most recently, which is a um, very close copy to a Rolex submariner, but of course uh, of much lesser quality. but in for me, when it comes to the Bond lifestyle and um, dressing like Bond and all this um, I'm very frugal Um, I've watched uh, the vlogs that come out of the Bond experience and when they were doing the vlogs um, for the Bond lifestyle as well where David Zaritsky would go into Kmart or Target and uh, purchase a polo or purchase the pants or purchase such and such an item. I've always kind of believed in that philosophy that if you have the look, it's more important than actually owning the screen precise item. Whereas a screen precise item, yes, is going to be absolutely accurate. And who would say no to the crisp sunspell spell polo um, from Casino Royale, but not everyone can afford that Riviera polo. Um, It's probably more attainable to just go out and buy yourself a $12 old Navy polo when they are on special Um, The same thing goes for the Persols Now the ones that I purchased on Aliexpress as you'll see on my uh, blog post as well Not necessarily the exact frame from Casino Royale, but a decent enough coffee where I pull off the look I believe Same thing goes for the watches Same thing goes for um, I mean the specter ring itself Itself, it's a prop from the movie you see in the movie very little and it's not necessarily produced by a specific company now, of course um, 007.com does sell a sterling silver version of this ring and of course we were probably uh, Easier to believe that the ones that if you were actually part of the secret society would probably be part made of um, sterling silver, but the version that I have in stainless steel serves the absolute purpose of what I want it to do. It's for display, if ever I was to wear it at an event, it's absolutely wearable. I've got it in my size, so I could actually wear it if I wanted to, but it's not necessarily one of those everyday bond items, which I would use every day. And being the father of three children, it's really impossible for me to go out and spend um, $80 on a polo when I know that I'm probably gonna get covered in snot and oatmeal. Um, the same thing goes for a watch. Um, I can't really see myself buying a $1,500 watch when either I've dropped them or got them caught in car doors. So, um, what a bit of maybe personal issues on that one, but kind of the reason why I go for the more frugal things in terms of Bond. So, what can we expect going forward with the Intrepid 007 podcast? Well, for starters, you're going to be hearing some podcasts based on some of my recent blog posts on WordPress.com. Um, I'm going to be going over some of the things that I've talked about earlier in the uh, blog post, only because with a podcast I have a little more freedom to ramble on and on about the things that I've talked about already in uh, on the blog, um, but able to go into more details and give more opinions on some of the things I think and some of the things, uh, some of the feelings I have in regards to those articles, um, such as um, my essential double seven skills or essential bond skills uh, blogs that I've been uh, writing about. So. Some updates on that. Possibly some new ideas in there as well that will eventually get written up, or vice versa. Also, um, going to be talking about my um, ten dollar, fifteen dollar, five dollar bonds um, that uh, we've uh, we've reviewed in the past. So in regards to everything that I bought on AliExpress possible future purchases from aliexpress as well because uh i mean there are some things on my wish list that i haven't actually uh go gone, gone ahead and purchased yet and some ideas on why i should purchase such so such things and um etc some of the things i won't be doing is i'm not going to go back and review any of the old bond books or bond films uh only because other podcasts have already done that other blogs have already done that and i don't want to oversaturate um the Bond blog world blog sphere uh, or podcast world with additional reviews on things that we've already uh, seen and heard about I do have opinions of course about these movies and these books and I might discuss them briefly um, in future podcasts but I'm not going to focus on them what I'm going to focus on are the most recent movies and most recent books so anything that's going to be coming out next such as uh, Bond 25 in 2020, which unfortunately is uh, six months farther from where I would have wanted it to be and even a year and a half past where I would want it to be. I would be expecting to be seeing Bond 25 in the next few weeks if it was up to me, but fortunately it is not i um, also going to be maybe doing a little blog post about the future after bond 25 seeing as how there are rumors circulating around who the next bond should be who the next bond will be uh, we've heard rumors about Tom Hiddleston Ben Hardy Idris Elba um, fine candidates in their own right um, perhaps Hiddleston is the only one in my opinion that actually does make sense because he is just about in that right right age range the reason why I would take Ben Hardy and um, sorry, Tom Hardy, not Ben Hardy, Tom Hardy, and um, Idris Elba out of the equation is, because of their age, um, Idris Elba realistically is right now 45, so when we're talking about going two, three, four years ahead for the next Bond movie, he's going to be closer to 50 than he is to his late 30s, early 40s, so I can't see um, the Bond franchise going forward with someone who is that old seeing as Daniel Craig is going to be stepping down when he's about those ages. So I don't see them restarting with Idris Elba at that age. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with his race or his color. It's more to do with his age. I don't believe it's going to be a good fit for Bond to go with that old of an actor. However, if they decide to not go back to the last Felix Leiter, who was in Casino Royale and in Quantum of Solace, I do believe that Idris Elba would be a strong candidate to replace uh, Jeffrey Wright. Just because he is more physically fit, so if we wanted to have more action sequences, it would make more sense. Jeffrey Wright, though, is a great actor, and I think he did the role of Felix Leiter very well. If maybe a little too harsh in Quantum of Solace, but really nicely in Casino Royale. In terms of who's being rumored as the next Bond, Richard Madden from Game of Thrones is the most recent name has been thrown into that uh, into that pool. Um, I'll wait until we have more Bond 25 news to do a whole post on that and the future going forward. But just in terms of opinions on the two candidates that I think are the best to replace Daniel Craig, would be Richard Madden, just based on the fact that he's young enough now that when they are going to be able to relaunch Bond, um, they're going to want someone who's going to be able to go the distance. He does kind of have the look as well. But in my opinion, the perfect person to line up for this job is Henry Cavill, because he's going to be so far removed from Superman by the time that they make another Bond movie, or the next Bond movie after Bond 25, give him just enough time to kind of feel his way around other movies and other genres. He's also in the perfect physical shape to do it, and he's quintessentially British in his mannerisms and uh, and the look, so I do believe that he would make a good fit. Um, Some of the things I will be reviewing, as I said before, I won't be reviewing the old books. I will be, however, reviewing the newer books. So there is going to be two in particular that I'm going to be doing, and I'm going to be doing them in two separate podcasts. The first is going to be License Expired, which was edited by Madeline Ashby and David Nickel, and it is the collection of unauthorized James Bond works that, prior to the most recent new draft of NAFTA, uh, allowed Canada to produce... um, works copyrighted where the copyright has expired after 50 years giving them access to everything that was Fleming related um just uh or sorry 60 years not 50 years 60 years uh they were able to go out and um touch everything that Fleming would have done and able to produce a short story collection uh the short story collection itself is not too bad there are certain things that do bother me with the book and i'll be getting that into that in the um in the podcast at a later date it probably will be one of my next podcasts because it is the book that i have read most recently um before of course anthony Horowitz's forever in a day which i was able to get myself a british uk copy before the american copy came out Um, And I have read that, and it is quite good. What I like about Horowitz is that he has done two books and is the only author since Raymond Benson to do more than one novel as a continuation novel under the whole new uh, Ian Fleming Publications uh, kind of structure. But also, he's not necessarily done um, his books in, in canon. Well, he has done them in canon, but he hasn't done them Following Fleming, he's kind of gone with Forever in a Day. He went before Fleming, and with uh, his previous book, he kind of placed himself in the middle of uh, of uh, I believe it was Diamonds Are Forever, uh, or somewhere in there. So it's a prequel to Casino Royale. Um, it's it actually does fit quite nicely in that um, in that setting. It is um, I would have to say after having read. Um, his first book, Trigger Mortis, which was kind of odd in some of the uh, in some aspects, but did kind of fit the Fleming feel, and I mean of course it did um, include some uh, original Fleming ideas, this one does as well um, but after reading the Young Bond series, this is kind of a better prequel than the Young Bond series, and it's quite different as well from what John Pearson wrote in the Unauthorized Biography so it's quite a different take and it's quite an interesting take with the uh, short story collection license expired there's also some um, prequel material and there's some stuff that kind of places in that young bond period and I don't know how many of you have actually read the young bond books uh, and what your opinion is on the uh, their place in in the bond canon but they're kind of some stuff I mean it's very fantastical things and they go a little bit beyond the fantasy of of ian fleming's bond in the sense that they're a little more wild and a little more uh, crazy for a 13 year old boy to be living through these things um but i mean again then again for what fleming had wrote and some of the things that happens to ian uh, fleming's james bond they're kind of far-fetched as well so it it fits and it doesn't fit but anyway that'll be maybe possibly the uh, uh subject of another podcast we can talk about uh, Ian Fleming and James Bond canon and what should be canon and what isn't um I definitely have an opinion about that and John Gardner um So that's it for for that. There is going to be, like I said, I'm going to go and do some podcasts in regards to the essential bond skills that I've talked about in the blog. Um, So going back to uh, fine uh, fine dining is one that's going to be coming out soon if it's not already out by the time this podcast is broadcast. But also going back to uh, mixology, going back to golf, um, going to be doing something about uh, tactical skills which I'll be talking about my experience with paintball and with firearms. Um, I'm going to be doing one about fine dining, which like I said, is going to be coming out shortly. One about golf, which you've uh, probably already read about and uh, possibly some other things that are going to be added on later to that. So I hope you uh, enjoyed episode one. I hope you'll stay tuned for episode two, which should be coming out in a few weeks. And uh, again, Thank you for tuning in. hope you keep following me on Instagram and keep reading my blog on intrepid007.wordpress.com.